Okay, so uh, it's the IGR podcast. What's up? We back. Um, here with Nuja Ahmed. How are you? Hi. I'm up. Hold on. <laughs> I just got so confused. You started the whole thing over again. <laughs> yeah, I'm probably gonna post both videos. I don't know. <laughs> but. Oh. Okay, 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 so, okay, okay. Okay, I'm ready. Now I'm mentally prepared because I was not yeah. expecting that. <laughs> <laughs> so, Beth, um, how has COVID impacted you? Um, COVID has impacted me in every way possible. We were talking um, off camera, and I told you that I, that weekend that everything went down in March when things got really bad, I was literally supposed to go to Europe. <laughs> That was my spring break week, um, you know, job-wise, too. I work in a nursing home, so that's been tough. It's been months of trying to do my job in a different way when I can't even – I wasn't even able to. Now I am. Things are getting better. But I wasn't even able to go close to them or go into their rooms or do anything with them. So it, it was hard for a long time. Um, and then, you know, also there's – the anxiety of it all it's um I had a lot of family members who were impacted um not horribly but um impacted still and you know that's like that makes you anxious it was scary for a little bit so have you been Um, like so like even just like in general have you been like mentally like with this with just I mean being young being in school like how was how are you handling that Um, I think I'm finally at a point where I'm letting go of a lot of the past. I have not had since, you know, high school, even through high school, since high school, a lot has happened. I've moved back and forth. I've switched schools. I've switched a major. I feel I can proudly say that I am not the person who I was back in 2017 or, you know, on that first year of college at all. I'm so much more better equipped and prepared to chase after what I want to do now. But it's still hard because it's mentally draining to know that, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm behind. You know, I'm like a year behind. I'll probably graduate a year late, which is nothing because I know it's not a big deal. People graduate, you know, it doesn't matter when you graduate. Yeah. But I have those like, you know, like, anxieties that pop up just because of you know family pressure society pressure just wanting to keep up with my friends and celebrate with them I think when I see everyone graduate it it is going to be emotionally tough on me but I, I have to know that it's for the best everything happens for the best so that's where I'm at right now I am I'm actually doing what I want to do and it feels good Thank God. I'm happy. For I know. Thank God. Right. <laughs> Thank God. I want to been... get into that a little bit. What um, sort of like cultural pressures like do you feel? Are there any because you're Bengali, correct? Yeah, I am. Um, I was born in Bangladesh, but then we moved here when I was seven. So I'm Bangladeshi American. Mm. So I, I have two parts of me because I was you raised here, but I was born somewhere else. Um, so I, I carry a lot more of my culture than, for example, my brother, who was a lot younger when we moved here. So those societal pressures is like, 
I feel like weighed heavier on me. Maybe it was my fault. I just kind of let to let it get to me more. Plus, I'm a female. There's a difference in my culture too with males and females. So it was a completely different experience, and it definitely took a toll toll on me because I don't think I would have gone into nursing my first year if I didn't feel like I needed to please people. I gotta and, make, yeah, I gotta do it. Yeah. Yeah, I gotta meet them halfway. I gotta give them something. I was so miserable. Fuck it was the shit. worst year of my life. It was the worst year of my life. Absolutely. Like it was the worst decision I could have made to like do something that I didn't want to do. And I've always known that I wanted to go into therapy. And I wanted to go into mental health and, you know, bettering people, bettering ourselves. But I just let all those cultural, like, societal things get to me. Like, there's a whole saying, like, back home that, like, people who, like, psychiatrists, they're fagal doctors. That means they're crazy doctors. <laughs> oh. So you can see why when you tell somebody, oh, I want to work with this, this, and this type of people, they're like... Why you want why? to be with crazy people? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Why would you want to be a doctor or a, a professional for that when you can do something like fix somebody's leg or you know like be a surgeon? Heal lives. Yeah. yeah, like yeah, actually, actually do are, something. I mean, you actually are healing lives just in a different way. You know. Well, of course, of course. I'm. I. I think the we have neglected especially in the medical field, I feel like mental health and the well-being of the brain and our neurology has been like neglected for long enough. Mm -hmm. It's so important what I, what I'm going into and what mental health professionals do. It's just so crucial to maybe fixing like the the mess of a society that we have now if you look at a lot of the problems that we're having right now a lot of it is being solved through you know healing and talking about it understanding the root of that where does that all come from psychology from um you know you know all like philosophy it comes from all of those things so i mean I, i i i think that when you have people like yourself and like other you know, trained psychologists and professionals, they're track like they have to really sit down and track, all right, what's the pathology, right? Right. Why, why does this person do the things that they do? Why do they think these thoughts? All this type of stuff. So you, that's a lot of work when you're talking about, I mean, whether someone's 20 or they're 50 or, you know, maybe they're 70 and they're trying to really reconcile with themselves, uh, with other people, come to like, who am I? Like, that's a lot of work to be done. And I think that we stopped investing in that. Like as a country, right. as a society, we stopped investing in that. So what are some ways that you think we can sort of reinvest or sort of like change that back around? Um, I think it's already beginning to happen. And that's why I see the growth in the our generation today or even in starting from the millennials down on, I feel like is when it starts to get better. Um, research is crucial, but in this type of situation where you're thinking about like the subconscious and things you can't really see or physically, some, sometimes you can see them, you know, um, 
a physical representation of what is going on with someone. But most of the time, you can't. So research is so hard. And especially I see so many complaints in the community about medications. Mm. Medications are not doing enough. We are not getting the benefit that we should be getting from these um, medications. And I feel like that's because a lot of it has been about just kind of diminishing the symptoms. Um, And that's why, you know, like, um, I think that roots from like back in the day when they used to do lobotomies and all those kind of like crazy things where they're treating people like criminals and like just doing horrible, unethical things to people and treating Mm. them insane. Like that, I think it roots from that. Um, So you moving forward, obviously, research has to be based on like behavior and um I don't know it just has to see the people better definitely because it I I have gone through drugs myself um when it comes to my mental health I am diagnosed bipolar so um in the beginning when I was misdiagnosed that means that you know I also got the wrong drug and that could be detrimental you know so and there's blurred lines in the in the field so because it's a a spectrum how do we move yeah it is a spectrum and the 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 way I knew that my psychiatrist was right for me was like one of the first things he explained to me for years I went to psychiatrists and no one could tell me what exactly was going on with me what was my diagnosis? And they could not explain what exactly bipolar dis- depression or bipolar disorder was. And the first thing the psychiatrist that I have now to- explained to me was that bipolarity is uh, a spectrum, as is anything. Mm. So that means it all lives within us. So in order to f- you know, fix it, I feel like you have to get to the root. You have to get to, if it's within us, if it's innate, how do we prevent it from getting to a point where these people need like gap fillers and things like that? You know, like, and then there's a lot of like genetics and, you know, environmental things that come into play, but it just has to start from understanding. We don't know enough. We don't know anything. <laughs> everything is so theoretical. If yeah. you look, you know, my everything I study, we have so many theories. It's so theoretical that it's ever-changing. And with society, too, you know, your environment plays such a huge role. I know psychology is going to change so much going forward. Because we have to account for the modern changes. Social media, technology, I mean, all that. It plays plays a huge role in how we're affected mentally, especially our children. So research has to adapt to that as well. You have to take those things into consideration. I think right now things are very old-fashioned. And it needs to move forward. Um, But... We're at a start because acceptance is where you start. And I think we're at acceptance. We're to the point where I, I, there's so many professionals out there, young professionals in the field who are advocating 
for mental health, not only to the world, but to their communities. And that's important that we do our parts. And that's a big reason why I want to do what I want to do too, because I know the lack thereof in my community. Yeah. So how do we so, address that? Like in, like in schools, like, cause as adults, we, you know, maybe more mature to be able to say, Hey, listen, I have this just to let you know, especially if we're like in relationships, you know, it's very important, but how do you start mm-hmm. that acceptance aspect of it from schools to where, you know, if there's a kid with, you know, something, or he's acting out like sort of coming together as a classroom or just whatever and addressing that. Do you think there's any like bounds or limitations or? I don't know. It's difficult. Teachers are angels on, on earth. (laughs) They are godsend. I love and appreciate teachers so much. Mm. Um, But I do think that they are undertrained and under um, paid at the moment to do what they, you know, to the best of their ability can do for a young child. It's, it's, it's hard. It's hard to navigate children because, you know, what do you do when a child is showing signs of aggression at a very young age? That's hard. Yeah. You know, like those things, navigating those things, teachers play such a huge role in that. And I think we need to give more to our teachers not only educate them more, but give them the support financially with, you know, supplies, with training, with everything. Just, they just need support because they're already doing the hardest part of it all, you know, like guiding our children. Like that's hard. That's a lot to undertake. So as I, I just think, um, Training is huge, but, you know, budget, money, money is the issue to it all. So we have to advocate for. I think about it like this. If we give like entertainment stars so much money, of course, that's a very different thing. But it's Mm -hmm. like, these are the people who are raising our children. Like these are the people who are, you know, firefighters, doctors, these people are saving Mm -hmm. people. They need more money. Our essential workers. Essential worker, yeah. I mean, our essential, essential workers, workers, people we cannot live without. You know, we were going crazy thanking our essential workers. This term, I think it's a huge wake-up call. Like, these people deserve so much better. How are you going to take from the hand that is starving? Yeah. Like, and they, if they are the ones who are taking care of our society with their, you know, hands, you know, building our society day to day, they're keeping it on track. Mm-hmm. If you are leaving these people impoverished and struggling, obviously our society is going to struggle. Like it's just full circle. Yeah. It makes sense. You know, it just, and, and you, we, you have to start speaking out about raising budgets. And I, I'm not, too familiar with money and finances when it comes to this type of stuff Mm -hmm. um but definitely a start would be to raise the budget for you know funding our teachers giving them the support they need um because i know they're doing the best they can already because then like in schools i don't know we get like what one counselor to hundreds of kids yeah can you imagine and that's if you're living in a sub like the suburbs Think about 
in the city in the freaking in Queens. Yeah. That's one counselor to the whole school. Cool. That's insane. Nothing. Those kids are getting nothing. They're getting no type of support. It's it's just a cycle, and that's where it, it starts. Well, I think, like, especially now, like, with this, I mean, I, don't, I hate to say perfect cocktail, but, you know, lack of better term or expression, but we have all these different things happening, you know, the BLM, uh, BLM, you know, all that type of stuff. Right. COVID, we've got the economy as a result of COVID, all this type of stuff. Me too, movement, so many things pay up. I can exactly. name a hundred million. Like you could, like, they have them all over. I think we're in a perfect cocktail of stuff to where people are waking up to a lot of different mm-hmm. stuff, right? And they see a lot of the issues with a lot of this type of stuff is that, you know, when you respond to like, you know, the issues with homeless people or someone who's kind of like acting out of character, you need to have a trained medical professional on your staff for the police department or wherever, you know, to respond to those type of calls. Cause a lot of those type of calls, they don't need force and brutality. And, you know, same thing with you're saying the argument with these right. workers, they're not trained. They're not nope. like they talk about this whole defund the police thing. And, you know, I don't, when, when they say that I take it as we need to allocate the money differently. I don't think we're going to improve by yeah, yeah, yeah. funding them like that. No. We need them. Right. We just the need money to allocate needs the to be, money, yeah. you know, less riot shields and, you know, more, more diversity training or, you know, hiring people who are from your town. This structural thing, I think, really needs to change. Right. Yeah, definitely. And I, and I agree with the police. Like, mental health professionals should be involved 110%. For example, in the military, they have different branches. for They're all, you know, soldiers or Marines or whatever. But they have different lines of work. And we need that in, in the police department. We need cops who are medically trained. We need cops who are specifically mental health trained. So these people are not sent out to situations unarmed and unprepared. You know, like... Well, they they are armed because they be killing people. Right. Yeah, they're definitely... (laughs) Oh, well, maybe I should reword it as (laughs) stop sending people there only armed. Armed, yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Only armed. That's the only thing they've got. (laughs) You know, like, it's crazy to me that I I was seeing, like, how long it takes to become a cop in the States or whatever. I think it's, like, eight months max. Yeah. I mean, some people require degrees. Um, Others, just a high school diploma, especially when you move out West, but... That should not be the case. That should not be the case. That's insane. Twenty-one year old. You take an eighteen-year-old dude, female. No qualifications. What qualifications do they have? What understanding of the world do they have? What level of education and intelligence? And what have they proved to become? It doesn't make any sense. And then you have people asking for an undergrad degree to go work at a entry level job at some retail store selling freaking whatever. It doesn't make sense. I was looking at jobs the other day and it's like experience one year uh, must have a bachelor. I'm like, wait, what? Like, what are we doing right now? Yeah. Like it's everything is upside down, but Mm -hmm. we are, people are waking up and you know what? I have so much faith in the youth. I have so much faith, not, I don't know about 
younger, younger, but you know, the people who are creating They're kind their of lives fucking it up right now. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about them yet. I got to watch them still because <laughs> I have a feeling I'm going to be sitting with them, a lot of them in therapy in a couple years. But I feel like right now, like 18 through like 27, 25, right. like they're really moving. The things. future. Right. We yeah, are the future. Like that is the the future, like temporary, you know, like the recent future. Yeah. So I think I have so much faith in that. I mean, it amazes me to see um, how many professionals exist in our communities nowadays, especially in minority communities. Um, and over the past year, I've joined a lot of um, I've joined a lot of brown brown girl groups. Oh, what's that? Oh, like just support groups, I guess. Um, or anything curry girl related oh okay. it's oh, just a okay. way to connect yeah it's just a way to. So it's connect not black girls you. it's brown girls yeah i guess we're brown girls that's what we call ourselves at least that's the nomenclature brown girls let me write that down <laughs> i don't want to call you this <laughs> um yeah and so as like in the last few weeks that like, you know, things have been going on, there have been so many professionals coming out and like, they're ready. They're ready to make a change. They're ready to like, go, go, go. There is no, I feel like this time, why it feels so different to people is because I think people are actually moving. You know, the movement is a little slowing down now. A lot of things are getting Well, I would say out. this. I don't know if it's slowing down or the media is just not covering it. Regardless of the media, like, I think people are taking responsibility this time personally and, you right. know, trying to keep up with it. But then, you know, things get lost in the blur of trends yep. and social media and Making all of that. Instagram pics. I saw one girl. Um, I'm not going to say her name. She's from Danbury. But my oh. friend sent it to me and she posted a picture of her protesting somewhere. And it was an ass pic. And I was like, okay. Okay. Give the people what they want. Of course. I want to see your butt. Cool. It's Instagram. Whatever. Whatever. But you're protesting. Appropriateness. Appropriateness. You're protesting That's, and it's uh, your butt. Hey, you know, I, I am all Sis, for her doing whatever read the room. she wants. But <laughs> we got to grow up. <laughs> we got to grow up this time. For the, for the serious... Yeah. things we got to put the cheeks away for a little bit <laughs> <laughs> you know like it's Fuck. <laughs> there's no chill but you know i mean i don't know they it's just i it's amazing to see how together the community mm -hmm. and like young people have come to really try to understand each other's problems i think we would be a lot nicer to each other if we under understood each other a lot better yeah um, so it's a start. And like I was saying, like, I just, all of those like therapy techniques and, you know, going to the root of the problem, really going to somebody with empathy and trying to understand them, all, all of that is coming out now. And it's, it's a, it's a good thing. No. Things are crazy right now, but if they were not crazy, I don't think there's any way of change happening. Move forward. And I think what you said, like that empathy aspect, like I read something about a year ago and it said that the difference between sympathy and empathy is if there's someone in a well, 
Sympathy is looking down and saying, oh man, that sucks. Right. Empathy is crawling down into the hole and saying, hey, listen, I'm here with you. Mm-hmm. That's it. So I think when people begin to understand that, and that's what true empathy is, it's not always having right. the answer, right? It's not right. always trying to fix, 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 which I feel like a lot of people do, especially inter-relationships, whether it's romantic or platonic, whatever. They don't just say, hey, listen, I'm here with you. I understand you. I feel you. And I feel like that's what we're seeing now is a lot of people saying, of course, with the Black Lives Matter movement. and a lot Yeah, of let things. me hear you. Exactly. That's what it is. I want to hear you. I, it's, it's amazing. And one beautiful thing that I saw people doing, a lot of people who have platforms, passing on those platforms to people who are better equipped to talk on this mm. topic. That is incredible. That is so smart. You know, that's how we should be supporting each other. That's how, like, we should apply that to anything. Um, And I think we're working our way towards that. And that's, it's hopeful. It's hopeful. But it's also scary because um, also besides, you know, all of the good things and all of the, you know, all of the bad things and everything coming to light, I think we're also realizing like sometimes I feel like we have so much control, but we're realizing how little control we have. We don't got control of shit. Like we're like from just like we like if a, you were in front of a bear, a bear will fuck you up. Yep. Like let's be real. I think we sort of have these, we live in these little like societies, there's paved roads, there's gates, there's laws. Okay. If you boil this thing down, like we have really no control, but we sort of trick ourselves into saying, okay, well, I know I have this job. I know I get this money. You know what I mean? We, we are tricked. We're tricked. We are tricked because you know, person comes into this world wanting this life, wanting these shapes and like little boxes to fit in. That is not how we are like made at all, but that's the system. Yeah. How do we fix the freaking system? Break the system down. <laughs> like that shit is broke. It's so broken. It's not working. It's not working. It's not going to work for me. It's not working for any of us. So, but how do you get to that? When we, I, when I, when you feel like you have no control, mm. I don't know. Mm. I don't know. <laughs> and that's, that's where it, this whole situation, the last couple months, I feel like that part of all of it has weighed heavy on me because it's just who I am naturally to want to heal people or heal a situation or just want the best for people. You know, like I just, I just want everybody everybody to be happy and like whatever, but it just, that has been crazy on my mental health because it just feels so awful. I feel like I'm not doing enough or I'm doing too much or no, it's just a lot of pressure. I have, I feel like I have to like turn off, like just not touch social media for a day, every like other day. We've got to like sort of take a step back. And I feel like now that, all right, it's on a national stage and we've been through this and we've seen everything and everyone knows now, everyone knows. We sort of have to dial it back in, in terms of holding people accountable, like on everyday issues. Mm-hmm. Well, I should say living every day, you know, when you're interacting with someone, 
hold them accountable there. Not in an aggressive way, but if they step out of line, right, right, right. Say, listen, that's not cool. Just like, this is how we really change, you know, mm-hmm. and not perpetuate so much of this negativity that has plagued us for so long. Like, um, I know. Yeah. yeah. Definitely, definitely time to change how we talk to people, change how we talk about other people's problems because, you know, our, our problems are one as a society at the end of the day. It's just, we're just so interconnected. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, if one side is losing, at the end of the day, we're all losing. It's so hard to see when, you know, you're living your life or whatever, but clearly there's no balance right now. And that's why shit is the way it is. It's just, there's no balance. There's There has been no improvement according to the time you have to evolve with the time people have evolved (laughs) the country needs to evolve with the people it's it's honestly time straight up and um i'm seeing i'm thinking and i always go back to like social media so i definitely want to get your perspective on this how do you think social media has sort of shifted or changed or really affected um the mental health of people Young people, let me get more specific. Yeah. How has social media affected the mental health of young women? Mm. Oh, my God. (laughs) Social media, I feel like, literally perpetuates every type of fear and, like, insecurity that a woman could possibly have. We are already so vulnerable to ourselves, to everyone else, to society, to work, to life, to everything. It's just not helpful. And I know it's, you know, social media is trying to be progressive, but there's those little details that fall through the cracks that still make it. That's still like advertisements. We can't change how people advertise. Obviously, people are advocating for it, but how much can brands listen to you? Like, I, I'm i going to say it right now. I hate Fashion Nova. Mm-hmm. I hate that I do not buy from them. I know my friends do, which is fine. That's oh, their own. But to me, their ethics. Huh? I thought they've been pretty progressive in terms of, like, female body types and stuff. It's very trendy. It's very, like, when they need to. You know, they have, they post no, like, all of their girls on their page look the same. It's just looks peculiar. Like, their bodies are not normal. Nobody's shaped like that. The yeah. girl, <laughs> I'm look it like, up. yeah, look it up. And if you scroll through their page, tell me how many dark skinned girls you see. Tell me how many natural girls you see. Tell me how many different types of bodies you see. Tell me, tell me how many uh, ethnicities you. you see. Oh. Those types of brands are fetishizing the mixed race. They, those types of brands play so much into feeding us specific types of body type, specific trends of clothing. And, you know, like, I feel like I have no choice in what I want to look like or wear or do anymore. Because everything is literally fed to me. Yeah. You know, like it, even when I'm going shopping I, or anything. I, I blame the Kardashians. I blame the Kardashians. <laughs> no, I'm going to be real. I have a whole theory about this. I'm not going to say it all. But like literally when you look at 
how they... I have a theory about it, too. Go ahead. I want to hear yours. I have a theory about it. I don't I don't like them either. I don't watch them. I don't support them. I will never buy from them. I Damn. I don't fuck with them. Don't fuck with them because I agree with you 110%. They literally create these trends and they feed it to everyone. Like certain things that they do like with the fit tea and the hunger pills and the hunger like just so many things that they do are so weird, but people accept it. I feel like everybody just wants do. to be them. Yeah, they don't do it. Of course they, they don't, don't. But they're endorsing it. Mm. Which is even, they're, worse. but they're in, which is even worse because it that you didn't freaking drink no tea. Are you freaking kidding me? You got that you drank the tea. Out of you, you know what I mean. Went to the gym for a little bit. Hired a trainer. Like, come on. Like, come, yeah, really though. And yeah, social, I don't have a good relationship with social media because I feel like I have to constantly pull back from it. It's like an unhealthy relationship. Mm. You know, when I see that, I haven't had Snapchat for like a year. Snapchat is creepy to me. I have a theory about Snapchat. I feel like Snapchat is like watching us. It's weird. It's, I don't like Snapchat. Streaks, that whole thing. Memories, videos, all of those things creep me out it makes me feel like i'm being watched and listened to and i think it takes and not only those things those that's like conspiracy i feel like snapchat is like embedded with like i've heard crazy conspiracy theories about them like keeping all your information your pictures you know all of that stuff not only that but i find it really hard to trust people on snapchat i feel like snapchat made me like get trust issues (laughs) like with locations and like watching people's private stories and non-private stories and rooms and it's just there's so much manipulation going on and I'm just like okay I'm not about it it's weird to me oh wow it's weird to me I yeah it's been a year I downloaded it the other day and I was like nope deleted it Wow. (laughs) snapchat makes me feel like I am living in my phone it completely disconnects me it does create this sphere of like replicating like social environments so like take i mean the most recent for us would probably be like college or high school right and you like like for me i was talking to my friend terrence about this like in high school i knew all right every day from eight o'clock to 2 p.m everyone i talk to on a daily basis socially they're in this building don't care where they're Mm -hmm. at they're in this building and snapchat Mm -hmm. replicates that in terms of where are my friends look at my map Okay, They're I can find where there. you are. If I need to share something, like, oh, this is funny. I just send it to you. I need a chat. I can make groups, like all this sort of stuff. And then you're yeah. seeing it and seeing it and seeing it and seeing it. So you feel like you're in this realm of everything that's happening it before feels a, a good. party. Yeah. yeah. It feels good. It feels good. But it is the wrong type of satisfaction. It's teaching you short-term satisfaction. It's training you literally training you to rely on like people like texting you random pages like pictures of their face or the wall or to know that oh this person still fucks with me i can where's my fucking streak (laughs) don't you yeah like come on like oh my god like i have to show like don't touch the food yet i have to show everybody like oh it's horrible it's i hate that feeling and I'm not going to sit here and sit on my high horse and say, oh, it's not, I don't feel like it's a good feeling too. I know it's a good feeling, but I knew it was unhealthy for me. I had to get away from it. It was just too 
freaking much. It's just so yeah, Snapchat creeped me out and you don't want me to even get into like Snapchat and the combination of girls and young girls nowadays on Snapchat and like so much coming out with like Let's get into it. selling the, the dangers selling of ass selling toes selling whatever they want that was a big thing shirt. though in school that was a bit like i know quite a few girls were like fuck it i'm gonna sell some toes to some creepy dudes i'm gonna I sell know. like some smelly panties on some oranges and new black shit like oh my god it's all fun and games and i'm all for that get your bag whatever what <laughs> girl <laughs> i don't give a fuck but it's uh, until it's the younger generation is seeing it and learning it there is no boundaries and it just goes lower and lower and it just yep it's trickling down we have a responsibility to do better it's not healthy normal children are not supposed to be thinking about this stuff you're not supposed to have filters where you could put like how depressed do i look scale of one to ten or like who hates me or like is this like these are 10 year olds i've seen it's detrimental to their mental health it's going to leave them fucked up forever and when i'm gonna go back to your question how Mm -hmm. does social media impact girls especially if i think about young girls i can't even imagine like hearing from people who you idolize because not only are kids nowadays not as you know social and active and present they're on their phones they're on youtube they're on social media whatever they see all these people and they might be preaching to you oh love yourself blah 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 but you can't deny the fact kids are smart you can't deny the fact that this person looks a certain way and all the rest of them look a certain way and all the rest of them drive certain cars wear certain clothes say the same repeated thing yeah I I can't imagine how they're growing up feeling like they have all of these expectations to live up to. Yeah, I'm supposed to be a boss ass woman, but I'm also supposed to do this, this and that. And, you know, like that's too much. It's too much pressure. There has to be a limit. Yeah, you have to relax. And the reason I asked that question is because when I got older and became, I became like about, you know, a couple of years ago, well, for, I've always been in my little sister's life, right? So I have a little sister and she's mm-hmm. around that age and I've always been there, but I was in high school, she was in middle school. Okay. But as you grow up, you know, and you begin to be more involved in her life, I sort of fear for that and saying like, okay, like I'm a man, I'm a young man. How do I sort of protect my little sister, but let her know what's okay, what's not okay. And Sometimes I come to no answers because she doesn't do anything crazy, but what if she does? And it's sort of like right. a lot of pressure to say, hey, listen, you, I had to look myself in the mirror and say, hey, listen, man, you need to change a lot of stuff you're doing because whether you don't know what she knows, especially when we're talking about like hometown, you don't, you don't know what she knows and stuff like that. And You don't know what she knows. And you know what? We don't think people are watching, but they are watching. And we don't think we are showing our negative attributes. But we do show them. So I, I think, you know, the best way that we can protect them is to be like the best example possible, the best versions of ourselves to educate them that there's more to that. There's more to life than 
that there's more to life than 15 seconds, 30 seconds, 60 seconds of a video of a random person you don't know. You can take away from all of that. But I think the best way to protect them is to build them up. Because then if if they're built up to that level and they have that confidence, that strength, that mental strength, Mm -hmm. then all of those like advertisement and, you know, those little messages that call at your, you know, weak point, those can't impact them anymore. That's the best we could do. That's the best we could do. At the end of the day, you know, like they have to learn their own way and they, they're going to go through a unique experience where they're the first ones to really see the impact of growing up from like so young. Cause I remember when my brother was in middle school, they used to use computers and stuff. Like it's just like all the time, yeah. like not even just like here and there, like, Oh, we're going to the lab tomorrow to use like uh, our no. 1990 yeah. Dell <laughs> shit. But you know, so that's, that's the best thing you can do is just build them up. So as we wrap up, um, I want to leave on this. What advice could you give to young girls, whether just in general, maybe brown, white, whoever, what advice can you give young girls moving forward to sort of navigate these new times that they're in body image stuff, just any advice for them? Um, I think speaking to young girls, I'm always, you know, in regards to them, I'm always speaking to myself as well, because I'm ever growing. And as women, we have so much pressure. I think we need to be easier, nicer, kinder to ourselves, really pay attention to our intuition. A woman's intuition is like magic it's incredible why are you laughing it's I'm like not, the know, realest, I'm, no, it's I'm, like the realest I, thing on this planet i'm only laughing because you're so right you know and i think about times <laughs> right. life where i'm like or like you know someone has said something to me or i've lied i'm like nah how, how does she know that like and I you know. just sort of stuck like no women know you know they know i am so powerful that's what i would tell little girls like they are so powerful and they're we're constantly beat up by media by so much and it's just you have to know the power is in your hands boys are taught from a very young age that they have control that they have power whereas girls are not taught that as much that's one thing I'm definitely teaching my nieces you know um, I'll be teaching all my younger cousins that you are strong enough. Like you can do it. You have this like ability within yourself that's so powerful to get. I would definitely recommend to get in tune with your feminine energy, to appreciate your masculine energy, to find a balance and truth in who you really want to be. It's so easy to get lost in what everyone else wants to do. But the more you think about everyone else, the further you get from your true self, you know, and how can you know that you're listening to your true self? I think you have to do the things that are good for you, that speak to you, that feel right, creating rituals, habits, um, creating strong boundaries so that Mm. We're not overtaken by past gener like like past generations of women. 
who feel like they're stuck and they have no control over their lives. I think from a very young age, we need to understand that we have that control. Um, and that is like the most incredible thing when you, when you really get in tune with that. And I'm still working on it very hard because, you know, it's, it takes time to get to know yourself, yeah. but it's so much fun because you get to try new things. You get to really ask yourself the weird and the, like the hard questions and see where it takes you. I think we have to be unafraid to be ourselves. We're so afraid to be ourselves. You have to be unafraid to be yourself. And that's when you really let go. And that's when you can really be in tune with who you are. Nothing is going to feel right when you're not being yourself. It's just not. It's never going to work. Never going to work at all. But that's that's what I would give them. And um, it's a journey. And it's but it's so much fun. If you make it fun, you have to look at it that way. I think it's, it's taken me a long time to look at it that way. And be like, this is going to be so much fun. I get to learn about myself. Oh, oh <laughs> that was heavy. That was heavy. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, I want to thank you for getting up here, talking to us. You said a lot of gems. Be unafraid to be yourself. Um, thank you. I appreciate it. No problem. I had such a good time. It was so nice catching up. We always have good conversations. <laughs> I feel like we've been doing this for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> just no, not, really, really, just not up here. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. But thanks thank, for having uh, me. Thank you. I appreciate it so much. Um, Guys, of course, always follow us. IGR Podcast. We're on YouTube. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple Music. We are everywhere. So be a part of the movement. Shout us out. Thank you, guys. Thank you.